What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. This is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies Podcast. We're here. We're going to do a little post-game later on the show. We're going to have a guest to look ahead to a matchup. The Grizzlies are playing at home at the FedEx Forum. Big matchup for them. Got good news, I guess, for the Grizzlies. Bad news for the Jazz. Looks like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are both going to be out heading into that matchup Friday night against the Jazz. But I say all that to actually, I'm not even going to announce it. I'm going to let Isaac announce it. Grizzlies won last night, 118 to 110 over the Spurs, improved to 33 and 17 on the season, holding on to that three spot in the West, and they got a chance to widen that gap. Isaac, let them know who we're going to have on later. And how you doing, man? Doing, doing well, man. We got, got a big guest, uh, Sarah Todd, who covers the Utah Jazz for the Desert News. Going to join us here later in the podcast, man. Excited. To have her man and thank her for taking a little time i know it's been a busy day for her. she's actually flying in this afternoon um and she's gonna be fresh fresh in the memphis man i was, was telling her about the great barbecue we have here and i was recommending central and she was like i already know about central she's like the central is a must stop every time she comes to memphis man so she knows about that that memphis barbecue man so i'm sure she's gonna enjoy some of the great barbecue we have here in the city this evening but thank her for taking a little time to, to join us because again i know it's been a busy day for her but yeah, man, the Grizzlies improved to 33 and, and, and 17 with a, a big victory. And going into this road trip, even before before the injury report came out prior to the Milwaukee game, they announced that the three guys were going to be out COVID protocols. Then you lose Brandon Clark as well with the back issues. I said if the Grizzlies went 3-1 and one on this trip, I would feel really good about that. And, and then when they announced all those guys were out, you're looking at this trip, you're like, man, this is a tough trip, even if at full strength. These are four tough games, man. And to see them come out two and two, I think is wonderful. And you were kind of worried about Dallas. Dallas had been hot and you had the game at Dallas. They did end up losing that game. You worry about them catching up and what, what was going to happen with Utah. But, man, not only did they not lose ground, they've actually gained some ground coming out of this road trip, man. So that's that's fantastic uh, for, for them to be able to do that. It looks like got a couple guys back last night, Desmond Bain and Brandon Clark and Hopefully, you'll have Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones back sometime this weekend. So, big, big win last night, man. And, and again, Ja went nuclear last night. I, I kind of predicted that. I said that with them taking that game off ESPN for the Knicks Heat game, it's like Ja's going to try to make a statement, man. And boy, did he. 41 big points last night. It really carried this team down the stretch. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, uh, you know, Isaac and I were kind of chatting a little bit last night toward the end of the game. And, and and I don't care to, to admit this because sometimes you're just wrong about stuff. Like <laughs> it, it just is what it is. And, you know, the, in the fourth quarter, one thing that I love about this Grizzlies team, when this offense is firing on all cylinders, they move the ball and they move yeah. the ball extremely well. They get good looks and the offense flows well. Toward the end of that game, they were going all ISO jaw and it, it was not a thing. It's definitely not a disrespect thing toward job because I understand what type of talent he is, but it just felt to me. I'm like, man, this cannot be your only offensive plan. Like I know how good he is. I know what he does and what he's capable of, but I feel like teams can adjust to, to, you know, put a, a thorn in his side to do something to kind of derail it. Obviously the Spurs didn't have an answer for it last night, and as good as Jai is about getting to his spots, you may not have a team that has an answer for it. But I feel like that could be problematic as the Grizzlies move on in the season, especially in the postseason. When you're playing a seven-game series against a team, 
things get different. And, and John ja Moran, I do believe 100% that he's the type of talent that he can overcome it. But I, it just kind of raised some concerns for me because the whole, like, the whole flow of the offense changed there toward the end of the fourth quarter. It worked out well. John ja knocked down the free throws. Unlike a lot of his teammates last night, there were a lot of misses. Yeah throw line last night um from from you know i mean jaron missed four by himself and that's not like him but you know i isaac what are, what are your thoughts on that i know that you were last night you were kind of a, a opposing me on that so so where are you at with that i i get what you're saying uh when you play against excuse me better teams they they might do a better job than what we saw last night last night it was just a case of san antonio didn't have an answer for it um and and you go to the point of playoffs, you're in a seven-game series, teams are going to scheme to take your best plays away. What you like to do, that's what they're going to key in on to try to take away. And, and we've seen teams crowd the paint and, and make it hard for, for Morant, and we've seen it go on for a couple of weeks, and it just seems like he adjusts and is able to get back off. But, I, I mean, I understand what you said. I just think last night was a situation where San Antonio just doesn't have the first down. They just don't have anybody to stop it. But you're going to get a good team like this Utah team at full strength. We saw what they did to him in, in the playoffs last year, even though yeah. he had a big series. But they're, they're going to try to take that away, especially late in games. You're not going to be able to, to go to him every time. I mean, there are going to be times in, in the clutch where he's so good that they're not going to be able to stop him. But going to him over and over and over again, eventually really, really good teams are going to find a way to, to scheme against that. Yeah, uh, so and, I, and I agree with you there. And I think, I think Dylan Brooks being back will help with, with some of that because he's another guy that can get in there and create some things for himself. And, and Bain is getting better at that. But I think that him, Dylan Brooks not being in his lineup, I think is a big key missing for a guy that can kind of go in there and create his own own shot. And I think last night again, man, until San Antonio could prove they could stop it, I would have kept going to it. And it worked, man. He got to the free throw line and, and knocked down his free throws and was getting superstar calls down the stretch. And it just feels good to finally have a guy like that. I mean, they've never had a guy like that. I mean, we had Tebo in that first series when they upset uh, the Spurs in a 1-8 matchup in that game where – he just went was otherworldly in that, in that fourth quarter. Just couldn't stop him. But on, on a regular basis, the Grizzlies haven't had a guy that, especially a guy that can create for himself. That because you could just feel comfortable with, you could just dump the ball into him, get the ball to him, and they could just create, go in and get a bucket. They've never had that. It feels good that you feel like you have a guy that, even when the game is tight or you're losing down the stretch, you have a guy that you can go to that can get you buckets and seemingly last night anytime you want it. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I got to go back to something that you said in there, because I think it kind of it, it helps my point a little bit. You said that, you know like teams will kind of scheme against him, and then you know he'll he'll figure it out, and you'll see him kind of bounce back. How quickly is he going to be able to do that in a playoff series? Yeah. I, I think that that matters, and that's not just on Ja. That's on the coaching staff and the rest of this team. And again, being at full strength, having all of your weapons and everything around you makes a huge difference. And there's not a guy on this team that I'd rather have the ball in his hand at the end of the game. That's that's not what I'm saying. I, I'm just looking at it like there, there's no doubt in my mind this team would have to 100% completely nosedive fall apart to miss the playoffs at this point. Because they're, you know, they're, what, they're eight wins – seven eight yeah eight wins from being a locked at 500 like 500 is the worst they can finish or eight wins away from that that's gonna happen so that's, that's before that, that, that like i said that's 500 you have, i think even if they went like i was talking to somebody about this those days 17 and 15 would get you 50 wins that lets you know 
like how good they are right now. Yeah. Third best record in the West. I mean, they they could even, I mean, like I said, not completely tank, but they could even not play well down the stretch and possibly still win 50 games. It's crazy. Yes, still be in a real good spot. But, you know, it's just I'm, I'm kind of looking ahead a little bit, and, and that's not something that we as Grizzlies fans, you know, ha- have really had the luxury of doing, um, you know, to, to kind of look ahead and be like, okay, what's this going to look like in a playoff matchup? And, and again, he is, you know, I've called him generational on this show a number of times, and I, I'm going to stick to it unless something happens to, to make me change my mind, and I don't think that that's going to happen at this point. But it's it's just a different ball game. The game slows down. The defenses are, you know, theoretically the defense is going to be better. And so I, I'm I'm just interested to see what's going to happen in a playoff series. We saw this team struggle closing games last year, and somebody looked it up. and And I was going to pull it up before we got started, but we got kind of a late start here, so I didn't. But the the Grizzlies in clutch time last year, they were a negative net rating. And this year, they're like at almost a plus 20. They're below 20. I think it was like around plus 17 or 18. But a lot of that is because John Morant and what he, like his growth and what he's able to do and getting JV out of the way. When you draw a body out of the paint, that you know that that's a big that you when you have when you're playing their closing lineup is Jaron at the five, Rudy Gobert's not going to be able to stay back in the paint the way that he does in a in a matchup against the Grizzlies if he's having to guard Jaron Jackson Jr. And so when you pull a body like that, you know Gobert's going to stay as close to the paint as he can. They play drop defense. That's kind of what he's going to do. But he can he's got to respect Jaron Jackson and his ability to shoot the three. And so that opens up a lot more for John. We're seeing it this year. We're seeing it in the clutch time and, and the win total. You know, what, what's they're not, not far from their, their total for last year. And obviously they're playing 82 as opposed to 72. But, you know, just playing phenomenal basketball and, and you know, not just John Morant, Jaron, there, there's a lot to be said about him as well. Yeah, I mean, Jaron is really – look good as of late I mean he was last night especially and I, I put out a tweet yesterday morning I was like when he looks across at, at Doug McDermott and, and the guys they have barbecue chicken uh to, to use the the phrase that Shaq uses on, on NBA tip-off on TNT uh, it, I mean I, I knew that last night was a game where he should just be able to come out and dominate and he did that I mean mm-hmm. they threw McDermott at him Doc Landale none of those guys could, could stay with him and I was glad to see him take advantage of those matchups because there have been times in the past where I felt like he got, got had guys on him that couldn't handle him and they didn't really take advantage of him. He's been quick getting the ball, heading straight to the basket, been aggressive, and that's what you want to see. I mean, the threes will come. Saw the big three that he hit last night to kind of kind of seal that one. That, that's going to come. But, I mean, you what you really want to see from him is, is what he's doing on the defensive end, which is those are worldly. Six more blocks last night. And I, I had a conversation with somebody on Twitter. It was this guy was me, Sean Coleman, and another thing, Finn, having a conversation with this guy. And he was talking about Jared, Jared Vanderbilt. And, and not to take anything away from Jared Vanderbilt, but this dude was trying to argue like Jared Vanderbilt is better and Jared shouldn't be in a defensive player of the year conversation. I'm like, man, this this is crazy. Like, I can't even I can't even entertain this right now. Like, people that don't watch this team, and even some people that do watch it, do not understand the impact that he has on the defensive end. Like, he's doing crazy stuff. Like, he's doing things. That, that haven't happened in about seven years, seven, eight years uh, right now for this team. I mean, the numbers are just off the charts. And, and again, man, for some reason, 
a lot of people, even Grizz fans, still don't give this dude the credit he deserves. Like, they're still saying they paid him too much. I see people saying he needs to be booed, and I just don't get it. Like, what is what does he got to do? I guess he has to put up 30 points to get 20 rebounds a night for them to, to give this dude his credit. Because I, I think we see what Ja is doing and everything, but I think you look at this defense to turn around and, and, and what they're doing on defensive end. I mean, they're top 10 in defense right now, and they were the bottom of the league earlier in the season. And a lot of that has to do with what Jaron's been doing on the defensive end. This team is a completely different team when he's on the floor versus when he's off, man. Give this man his flowers, man. I, and it's crazy that nationally he's not getting it either. You look at these defensive player of the year list, and he's not even on most of them. And it's craziness, man. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it, man. I've got to go to something John Morant said in the postgame press conference last night right here, man. Somebody asked him about the, the aggressive defense on the perimeter and Ja flat out said, he's like, have you not been watching what Jaron Jackson is doing down there? Have you not been watching what he's doing? He's like his ability to protect the rim is allowing us to be more aggressive on the outside. It's outside. allowing us yeah. to get the steals and get out and run the, the way that he is playing the impact that he is putting on the game. It, it's allowing these guards and, and Ja Morant, I'm not saying anything about his defense at all lately, but you look oh, at the he, way that he's playing on the defensive end, man. And, much and, better. Dude, it, it's incredible. The effort that, you know, he's diving on the floor. This is the best player on your team, and he's getting down in the mud, and that's that's great. That's like you don't always see that from a guy that is the leader of your team, and he he's all about it. I think that all of these guys are on the same page. They want to win. But it's – I don't know if there's people out there right now that are still doubting Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm not even yeah. having a conversation with them. It's crazy that they, they still are nothing, out there, man. And it's, if it's somebody that doesn't watch the team, I'm fine having a conversation. But if you're watching this team and you're not buying into what Jaron Jackson is bringing into this team at this point, there's no convincing you. You're just out on him, and and it's blind stupidity at this point. Yeah, I mean, just just like just like Josh said, I mean that a lot of things that they do, the, the way they have to even get a gamble on steals and all, a lot of that has to do with the back end defense that Jared is playing. They wouldn't be playing as well uh, without Jared. Like a lot of things that they that they do, anybody that knows basketball that watches the Grizzlies game can, can see their impact. If if you can't, if you're watching the games like you said, you can't see his impact. That's just a you problem. Like, you just don't understand the game of basketball because this dude has been phenomenal. And I think his contract is a bargain. Like, and I think a lot of people early in the season were kind of worried about that deal and thought it wouldn't pay out. But it looks like a bargain right now. They got him as a steal. And he's been fantastic for the team and right there with John, I think, for the MVP of the team because they couldn't do what they do without him. But yeah. last night, you you kind of made up a great point about John's defense. His effort, I mean, it's been phenomenal. I mean, he had that one play where Got the layup and, and kind of stole, leaped and stole the inbound pass. He couldn't hold on to it, yeah, end up yeah. turning over. But that play right there, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. You don't see, a lot of times, don't see guys of his caliber that diving on the floor like that, making plays, man. And again, man, that's the last part of this game that you you just kind of question is on the defensive end. And I haven't had any questions about it. definitely not on the effort over the last month or so. I mean, he's been fantastic. And you can see the strides, I think, when he missed that time. And he kind of he saw all the noise about people saying they were better than him, and we we know Ja Ja takes everything as fuel. And I know he heard that. And I was like, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna work 
harder on defensive end, and, we, and we've seen that. There's definitely been a change on it from him, and his work ethic is, is off the charts. And again, that's something else that you don't always see from guys at that level. That's why, man, we're so lucky to have this guy on the team, man. Just from talent to work ethic to the attitude, the swagger, just everything. I saw a, a guy on Twitter today saying that he, he was a big fan of Ja, and then he saw the quote where Ja was saying about being an all-star, uh, all-star this year, being about he earned it, that last year he didn't want to go because he didn't want to be an alternate and blah, blah, blah. And this guy was like, I, I don't like him anymore. I'm not really feeling him anymore because he's too cocky. I'm like, dude, are you serious? Because this dude said he wanted to earn his – I mean, that's honorable. Like, you you calling that cockiness. And, again, if you if you putting up 41 points, man, I, I, ain't got no, I ain't got no problem with you being a little cocky. Man, my, my question to the, the, the people, because Josh, he clapped back at somebody last night on Twitter – because yeah, that's uh, what I was saying. you got to be careful, man. You got to yeah, be careful. You know, like he, he, he's out there. He's looking <laughs> he's man. out there, man. <laughs> and, and so like, it, I love it that he doesn't, he doesn't give a damn. Like he, he will come at you. And I love that about him. I, I feel like that is, you couldn't have crafted, you couldn't have went in and handcrafted a superstar oh, to so benefit Memphis. Memphis as a city. <laughs> Like he, he just that this guy said something kind of similar to, to what you're talking about. And Josh, like, you know, I, I didn't come into this league to be liked and especially not by you. So, you know, he, he he's going to go on, he's going to keep doing what he's doing. And, and I love that, you know, not that I necessarily want him to, to buy in. And, and obviously I don't want this to affect him on the floor in a negative way. And I don't think overall, I don't think it will. Uh, I think that he's going to use crap like that to yeah. Usually he works the opposite. Like, yeah, and, and that's you know another thing in the post game presser last night he was talking and he dedicated uh, in a TV interview after the game he dedicated the game to his grandmother who's battling cancer. Yeah, and then in that post game press conference he said shout out to whoever it was at ESPN that took us off of you know out of that national TV spot. So it, it is, it's great to have somebody that has this level of talent, this level of drive in Memphis, you know, like you said, and, and I feel like we're a broken record saying that, that we have never seen it here in Memphis before, but it's just the facts of the situation. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's wonderful. And I don't have any problem with him acknowledging stuff like that, because I think, especially with the way he responds to it, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad now when he gets, gets snubbed, like somebody told me earlier, like, uh, what if, what if he, I hope he gets snubbed as an all-star that we're going to win a championship. Now, I'm not going that far with it, but <laughs> and it was just no chance of that happening anyway, because he, he's, he's going to be named an all-star starter tonight, man. If he's not a starter, he's going to be an all-star regardless, but if he's not yeah. a starter. I'd be absolutely blown away uh, by that. That means he got absolutely obliterated in the, the team, the, the player and the media vote, which I doubt. I yeah, mean, with the, what he's doing on a nightly basis, I don't, I don't have any questions about that, but yeah, man, I think you couldn't have, going in a lab and made a, like you said, a superstar that fit Memphis better than, better than John Morant does, man. And it's, again, man, we're just lucky to be able to cover him and watch him on a nightly basis. And again, man, this is year three. That's what's crazy about this. Like he could, he could even get better like that. And that's yeah. insane. Yeah. I mean, to see what, what he's doing last night. I mean, some of the, and he put a tweet out last night saying, uh, man, some people need to go to lay school. He has one of the best layup packages I've ever seen, man. That's night. Just on full display, man. He had the one with over the shoulder where he got fouled, and they, they didn't call it, man. He hit it over the shoulder. He had one where they fouled him, and it didn't count. Where he just threw it up backwards over his head. When, I mean, this dude is just ridiculous. And the thing about it is, I, I quote tweeted this tweet and said, man, like, 
most of the time when guys have a layup package like that, these elite guys, they don't also have a dunk package, you know, the hops that he has to go with it. Man, this dude is just ridiculous. And every night, I mean, it's worth the price of missing, worth turning the TV on. That's why it's so crazy that ESPN took that game off. Because every night, every game, he's going to give you something that you've never seen before. Like a jaw-dropping moment, as they say. Uh, it, you, you're going to see it from jaw every every night. Like, it's what can this guy can't do? What will not do? I mean, we saw him struggle from threes, knocking down threes now. I mean, he, he's just doing it all, man. And uh, again, man, it's scary to think that he could even get better than he is now. Yeah, I was talking uh, with my guy, Steven, on Twitter about it, about them putting the, the Knicks in heat. And I said it before anything ever even happened in the game. I'm like, I guarantee you that Ja does at least one thing that is more exciting than anything that happens in this Knicks heat game. And that's, it it was the truth. It wasn't even close. I I would be willing to bet you that most people would have rather watched this game than that Knicks heat game because of what Ja Morant was doing. You know, did you ever watch that movie with the Waynes brothers, uh, the sixth man? Yeah, I oh, love that movie. Dude, yeah. so, so, man, some of these shots that he throws up, it reminds <laughs> yeah. me of that movie. I'm like, how's yeah. this stuff going like in? Like how? Yeah, like yeah. he's got a he's got a ghost brother that's helping him get this stuff <laughs> in there, man. Because it's just it's unbelievable that he's able, like, he takes the contact, he contorts his body, and he's still able to get the right English on the ball coming off the glass to get it to fall. And it's incredible to watch. We, we got, we've been hammering on Ja here for about 20 minutes yeah. of the show. So, you know, it's a Grizzlies podcast. If you expect anything less, uh, I, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm not sure you, you got to go somewhere else. We're going to talk about Ja Moran and what he's doing while we're on here. Uh, glad to see Desmond Bain come back last night. Yeah, man. He only made one three, but just as you could tell this offense opened up when he was on the floor like they they have to again it goes back to respecting somebody that can knock down that shot they could not leave him alone and so it, it opened the floor up for john allowed him to to get to the rim and do the things that he does night in and night out i even though you know bain he he made seven shots only one of them was a three and that's that's a testament to the growth in his game you know he oh he yeah had the mid-range going shooting. last night yeah man it, the, the midi was falling for him so it's um, I, I don't, I don't even know what the ceiling of this team would be if if they maintain this core right now as is, and we just watch these guys grow. I just can't help but dream about what it could be if everybody stays healthy. There's a lot of ifs, a lot of buts, but you know the, the amount of talent just between. And, you know, Dylan Brooks is out, but between Jaron, Bain, and Ja, and then, you know, Brandon Clark, he came back last night as well. He only played 19 minutes, uh, just under 20 minutes, but four for six from the field, which he got robbed. He was like a fraction of a second oh, away man. from I hated that so bad. Yeah, hated that so, so bad, man. I was like, know, man, I wanted that for him. <laughs> I, I did. Like, I, I thought it was good, and then they slowed it down. They showed it. Yeah, the I was like, oh, man. <laughs> He had two fingers still on the ball, so it's not going to yeah. count. But, you know, there there is a boatload of talent in this team. And there's not anybody. Like, Steven Adams will be the only player on this team that you could say is either in or passing his prime. These other guys still have room to grow. Yeah, and, and the, to kind of change subject a little bit, I do want to touch on this before we before we transition to our guest. Um 
there's been a lot of talk. The trade deadline is obviously coming up. I think we're what, less than two weeks away now. And I've always felt like, I know a lot of people feel like this team is probably not going to make a move. And this front office, I, I talk about this time and time again, about how aggressive they are, how proactive they are. They don't, they're not going to sit and waste assets. If they have, have opportunities to, to get better now or even long-term, they're going to take those opportunities. And they have an abundance of assets. You have three first-round picks, which we've talked about. There's no way to execute all three of those picks. So at some point, whether it's, it's at the deadline, it's before the draft or during the draft, they're going to do something with, with some of those picks. So so that's going to happen. But you also have three expirings and Tyus, Kyle, and Jerry Culver, which I think going into the season, I would have told you that nine times out of ten, especially Tyus, that he was going to be moved. There was an opportunity for possibly Kyle to get an extension. We'll see how that goes. But I think they've overachieved so much in the position that they're in now I would kind of be surprised at this point unless something they decide to do something big is that they move Tyus and Kyle at this point. Also, you have guys in, in DeAnthony Melton and Xavier Tillman that I think could be guys that could end up getting moved for consolidation purposes. I think Brandon Clark having his resurgence, I think, makes X a little bit expendable. And if they make a, a deal, he doesn't have a big contract or anything, but he's a guy that they could move out to kind of consolidate and be salary filler. And I think DeAnthony Melton is a guy with veins emerges this year, I think it's another guy that could, could kind of get lost in the watch. So I think at the deadline, I think and I put this out, I think I would be on the lookout for Melton Culver, who's the expiring uh, X in a, one of those first round picks. Those are kind of the assets. If they do do something, I think they could do, they could they could use the, the move to make a move. But a lot of people have been talking about the chemistry of this team. And as we know, the chemistry of this team is phenomenal. But I, I think a lot of people have, have gone too far with that they can't make a move because it, it's going to mess up the chemistry. Like, there was a – I don't know who put it out earlier this afternoon, a, a trade with Memphis and Toronto for Pascal Siakam. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen. The trade as it was presented on there, there's no way that Toronto does that. But I'm just using this as a hypothetical. People were saying, well, they can't make that move because you get Pascal Siakam, it would mess up the team chemistry. And I'm like, man, at some point, there's going to be some change on this team. All these guys are not going to stay here forever. I mean, you have free agents, Kyle and Tyus, that both be gone after this season. After this season, these are grown men. Like I get, like you want to make sure you bring in the right kind of guy in the locker room. You don't want to bring any locker room cancers in, but you can't just say I'm not going to try to make a move to get better because it it, it might mess up with the chemistry. If you find a deal that makes the team better and you feel like this guy's not going to come in and be a cancer in a locker room or anything like that, you can't not make the move because it's it's just for the sake of I don't want to make any changes. Like, I think I get that in a sense, but I think people are have gone a little bit too far with that. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you. You know, there I was team no trade. And I still, if they don't make any big moves, if they just make fringe moves, you know, if they end up keeping Kyle and Tyus and then letting them walk at the end of the year, which is I feel like that's highly unlikely. But if that's what ends up going down, they they have those picks to reload. You know, they're you have conversations about the draft, and some people will label a draft a weak draft or strong draft or whatever. The fact of the matter is, this coaching staff has proven themselves to be exceptional talent developers. And so you have guys, Killian Tilly is a guy that's played a limited role this year that could easily step up into a more 
like prominent role next season if he's healthy. You know, he, he earned himself uh, a full contract as opposed to a two-way contract, and, and he is a guy that can guard multiple positions, that can shoot the ball, and he shoots the ball better than Kyle. He's got the same length as Kyle. I would, I don't know that he's on the same level defensively as Kyle, but that's something he he's young. He can still grow into that. But they have pieces on this team that if Kyle and Tyus go, they can reload through the draft. And you and I have talked about that kind of off air. We've talked about a little bit on the show. But you've got to give up something to get something. And if you go and you get a guy like Pascal Siakam, you're going to have to give something up. And is that going to change a little bit of the dynamic of the team? Yeah, sure, it, it absolutely is. But when you're going to make that trade, more like – I would say 90% of the trades that you you look at on there, you're not giving up Ja, Desmond Bain, or Jaron Jackson Jr. And that's the key. <laughs> and, and those guys have such a strong relationship. You you just look at how how it's affected other guys that have come to this team, Jarrett Culver, and then, you know, everybody from top to bottom the way that this team, they meld. It's like a family. And so I'm not super concerned with that at all. Like it changing, maybe it does change it for a little bit, but I don't think the expectations were for the Grizzlies to win a championship this year. Definitely won't complain if it happens. But, you know, Pascal Siakam is, is an upgrade talent-wise over the majority of this roster. There, there's maybe – you know, Ja Morant and Jaron, and you could have a, a decent conversation about Siakam and Jaron about, you know, who would have a bigger impact defensively. Yeah. It's Jaron, but, you know, offensively, Siakam has proven that he can be a guy to go out there and get buckets when he needs to. So you can have a conversation about those two. So you trade for a guy like that, and he instantly is in the top three of the best players on your team that makes your team better. And so I'm, I'm not like, while I'm team, no trade, I'm team. If the price is right, I guess is kind of where I'm at right now, but yeah, I don't know whether it's Siakam or whoever. I don't know that there's one specific guy. And just like we we've learned from this front office, all of these, you know, rumors you're hearing the Grizzlies are tied to this guy or they're tied to that guy. It means they're probably not. <laughs> Any moves that this front office has made, you haven't heard about it. No. So odds are Siakam is not even a possibility for this squad. Because who saw that the JB trade to New Orleans coming? Like, no, nobody yeah. had that. There weren't any rumors. That thing just came out of nowhere and smacked you in the face. But I, I remember when it dropped, I was like, what is, what is going on? Like, I didn't expect this at all. And that's what we see, man. This, this front office is buttoned up, man. You're not – they're not going to leak anything. And I think one reason that is is because I think they're – they're calculated. They're not going to rush into anything or, or get any, put anything out there. I think they take the time to, to think things through. And if they decide they want to make a move, then boom, they make it. I don't think they leak all this stuff out. And I don't think they're out. I also don't think they're out fishing around. I think yeah. at least one thing, reason why you hear a lot of stuff from other teams, because they're out shopping guys and Leveraging. fishing around. I think, I think they kind of just let stuff come to them. And then they just kind of decide from there where, where they want to go. Um, and I think that's kind of how they operate because that's that's smart. I mean, you going out and, and seeing what what people are willing to offer you, and if you see something that you like, man, you can expound on it and jump on it. But again, like if you're seeing something out there, it's probably with this front office, it's probably not happening. But yeah, I think just people have just gone a little bit 
forward that even like minor moves, like talking about Kendrick Williams. Okay, see, is sitting there looking for a first round pick. I'm not sure to get a first round pick. I think two seconds, I think, would be a good deal for him. But people even saying this morning, I put a poll out saying, would you trade for him a first round pick? And I, I, don't, I don't know. I think I would try two seconds if I were going to make that move. But people were even saying, if he came in, would he damage the chemistry of this team? And I'm like, he's not even a big enough piece to talk about that. If, if he, if a guy like that comes in and, and damages your chemistry, chemistry probably wasn't that strong to begin with. But bringing in a guy like Siakam, I think, I think Jaron and Jai and, and Desmond, I think they'd be fine with that because I, I think they're going to be winning. You bring a, a level guy like that in, I think they, they, they'd be excited about him coming in because of what they can do together. I don't think it would be a problem. I get the sentiment again, but at some point, man, they're going to do something in this group right here. This entire group is not going to stay together forever. I know we love all these guys, and I don't necessarily want any of them going, but I think at some point we obviously know that they're going to do something, and some of these guys are not going to be here, and they're going to be different guys on this roster, and, and I think they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. I, I think we can go ahead and wrap the uh, the post game up here. We'll, we'll get ready. Um, it's almost time for Sarah to come on with us, so we don't want to be talking about this game. She don't care about the Spurs, <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll uh, in, in the the. I got one more thing about this post game, and then we'll uh, we'll transition into getting Sarah on here. Um, one thing that surprised me looking at this box score last night was the fact that the Grizzlies got outpaced. Uh, yeah, like, you and know, you don't see that. Yeah, you that, do not see that. Even in losses, they usually yep. don't see it. So, you know, the, the, the Spurs were able to get up more shots than the Grizzlies. And, and again, it's just not something we, we talk about the Grizzlies and their pace and how many more shots they get up than their opponent. And it, and it was only four. The Spurs only got up four more shots than the Grizzlies last night, but it was still surprising to me during the, the course of the game. It didn't feel like the, the Spurs were outpacing them. So yeah. go ahead, man. Yeah, I was going to say, man, and that, and that Spurs team, I mean, you can tell that they're, they're still – coached by a really good coach and Greg Poppins because they did not quit. It looked like early on that the Grizzlies were going to kind of run away with it. I think. I think they got up 15, maybe 14, 15, and the Spurs would come back, right? Every time the Grizzlies would make a run, Spurs would come right back, man, be back down to five, and eventually they, they tied it. I don't think they ever took the lead, but that team never went away, man. It, it was frustrating watching it as someone who covers the Grizzlies and uh, a Grizzlies fan because I was like, man, they just can't put this team away. They keep keep fighting, man. They got some, yeah. they got some talent on their team, man. We know we both are big fans of Devontae uh, Murray. Uh, Derek White is a, is a really good player, man. Vassell can knock down shots. I mean, they have some pieces on their team. They just need to get a couple more guys in there. Um, I think they probably need a, a better big uh, somewhere to, to go with that team. But they got some talent. People keep talking about Popovich and and when when is he gonna let it go, man? Yeah, man, he, he's. I think that I think he has that team performing a lot better than a lot of other people would because that team, even though their record is not good, they're usually in a lot of games. And if if you don't play well, they'll beat. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, um, Murray got hot in the fourth. Like, he struggled heading into the fourth quarter, and I think he was like – he was either four for five or four for six in the in the fourth and w- was keeping them in the game. And, you know, the Grizzlies are closing the games better this year, but I, I was worried. I'm like, man, they're yeah, just hanging around, hanging really around. Really worried. <laughs> you know, if, if we get one thing that bounces the wrong way, yeah, this could end up being a loss, and, and it's not a, not a team that you want to lose to, so – Getting a lot of props to, to Coach Popovich and what he's doing with that young squad. And um, I, I'm glad you see coaches generally of his caliber, they wouldn't go through a rebuild like this. They would, you know, kind of cut bait and walk away. And, and I don't know if that's because of ego or, you know, they don't want to damage their legacy or whatever. 
But, you know, I, I think Pop has done enough that regardless of what happens these next few years in, in San Antonio, it, it's not going to tarnish his legacy. So, yeah, he, he, I was going to say real quick, he had an opportunity to go to, to Brooklyn, and, and I thought he'd take that. I mean, at, at this point in his career, opportunity to, to go to a quote-unquote super team and possibly try to win a championship, and he didn't take that opportunity. And I had a lot of a lot of respect for that, for him to hang around those, those young kids. And he's even said that this is the most fun that he's ever had. And that's saying a lot. Like, I don't know if that's just coach speak because I mean, he's had legendary teams there. We know the era and what the Spurs did, Duncan, Ginobili, Tony Parker, and all those guys. But he said he's having the most fun he's ever had, man. I thought that was very honorable in him to, to kind of stay there when he had an opportunity to go up to Brooklyn. They were going to give him some GM duties and everything, man. He turned that down to, to stay with that young San Antonio Spurs team. So I thought that was very honorable of him. Yeah, yeah, man, I, I agree. That would have been scary for the league if he was coaching that team. I, I can't even imagine how good they would be if they had a coach that actually knew how to coach. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. <laughs> we, we won't get into that. We're going to – it may be a little bit of a, a break here, but we're going to get Sarah Todd on, and uh, we will be back with some more talk about this Grizzlies and Jazz matchup coming up on Friday. A huge game tomorrow night as the Utah Jazz will be over at FedEx Forum to take on the Memphis Grizzlies who are sitting in third place in the West and now opened up a two-and-a-half game lead on the four-place Jazz. We have a special guest joining us here on the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. I want to sincerely thank her for taking a little time for us. I know it's been a busy day, man. She's just getting into town and jumping on here with us, man. I definitely appreciate that. Uh, she covers the Utah Jazz for the Deseret News in Salt Lake City. She's also the host of the Unsalvageables podcast. You can find her on Twitter at NBA Sarah. She is Sarah Todd. Sarah, how are you this evening? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, thanks for taking a little time to join us. Like I said, man, Sarah's just getting in town, man. How, how was your flight in? Uh, the flight was good, but I forgot a couple of essentials. So I'm going to be hunting around Memphis tonight to get a phone charger and a jacket. So. Yeah, man, it, it's, it's definitely definitely a little chilly, colder in Memphis than it usually is at, at this time of year. And before you guys are going to Minneapolis next. So I think that a jacket will be essential for, for this trip. But uh, before we, we're definitely going to talk about tomorrow's nice game but first I want to talk about Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder that he's probably one of my favorite coaches coaches to cover uh, in a press conference setting he's very thoughtful in kind of the way he asks questions he always elaborates you don't get a lot of short answers like you do for some coaches so I love listening to him and asking him questions what, what does he like to cover you know it's kind of interesting because uh, a lot of times he does give like really long answers that yeah. that seem that seem really thoughtful I think if you cover him on a daily basis like I do you start to realize that some of those long answers uh he's he's one of the guys that talks a lot but doesn't say much if yeah. you know what I mean yeah and so which is really really great when you know you only get to talk to him or see him a couple times a year because the, the it, you know the sound bites and the quotes are are spectacular but I also covered Brett Brown when he was covering the Sixers for a long time. And I said the same thing about him. He'll, he'll talk for, he'll talk forever, but it's, it's hard to find a lot uh, useful in there sometimes because you know, Quinn Snyder's also got a law degree. So he'll kind of lawyer his way around yeah. asking your question. He'll answer the question he wants to answer, not the question that you ask. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely, definitely see that when, when you don't cover a guy on a daily basis, sometimes people, people that see him all the time can kind of interpret that a little bit different, but yeah, man, I love, listening to him talk I'm, I'm excited about tomorrow night to, to hear what he has to say and he always talks eloquently when you ask him questions about the Grizzlies or the, the team that you're covering he always has some pretty good insight on that so I, I like to hear him ask questions again we're talking with Sarah Todd 
covers the Utah Jazz for the Deseret News here on the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. Uh, Snyder is in his eighth year at the ham, and they made the playoffs in five of those first seven. Uh, but the far as they've ever gone since he's been head coach is the second round. Uh, and you beat the Grizzlies, of course, in five last year and losing to the, the Clippers in six. But when you kind of look at this, this era of Quinn Snyder and kind of this group of guys that's on this team right now, what's kind of the prevailing thought there in Salt Lake City? Do people feel like this particular group and Quinn Snyder is good enough to, to, to get to the promised land and win a championship? What are kind of the thoughts on this team and the makeup and the, the entire organization right now? Yeah, it's a little bit interesting because he – you know, it's been maybe the first couple of years that they made the playoffs. It was like they were a good team and they knew they were good enough, but no one really expected anything much bigger from them than a first or second round exit. Um, but then you get to the last like two or three years. And the disappointing part is that he hasn't really had his full team. And I mean, if we're if you just look to last year, you know, the Jazz were the number one seed and had an amazing regular season. And then they kind of limped into the playoffs. You had Mike Conley, who was having hamstring issues. He only barely played that last game of the Clippers series. Um, and Donovan Mitchell was injured throughout the playoffs. And I mean, he was he was in a considerable amount of pain with a really high degree ankle sprain. So um, I think that had Quinn Snyder had his like the full complement of his roster available to him, that maybe we might see him on a little bit more of a hot seat, having not been able to get past that second round. Now, uh, I think that the question is, uh, even despite injury at this point, you know, you have so many good players on a team that he kind of the, the expectations are higher than ever. And so I think that you know, Quinn Snyder's got a very comfortable place in Utah, the ownership and the front office and the players all trust him and respect him. But I think that we're getting to a point now where uh, everyone wants to see results. And so this is kind of the year to show it. Yeah, I think the Grizzlies are kind of in a place that Utah was in a few years ago. I mean, they, they made the playoffs last year. I don't think anybody had super high expectations that they would win that series. We just wanted to kind of see them compete, and I think they did that. They were able to, to win the first game without Donovan Mitchell, and they were close. Several other games, they ended up going down in five. I think this year the expectations are a little bit higher, especially with the way they've overachieved. I mean, I don't think any of us here in Memphis thought we'd be here here in January talking about a top three team in the West, third best record in the NBA. It's been amazing uh, just, just the rise that they've had and, and what John ja, ja Morant's been doing in, in the maturation process of him. But you, you kind of touched on this for a second ago. The Jazz finished first in the Western Conference last season. They're now sitting in fourth. They're, they're nine games behind first place Phoenix. What has kind of been the difference this season? Has it kind of been just the injuries like, like you, you talked about a second ago? Or are there chemistry issues? We've heard, heard several things going on. Um, Rick Buecher came out with a report today saying that Donovan Mitchell possibly has one foot out the door and he's looking at New York. If, if they have a first-round playoff exit, you go back to COVID issue when it first started, Rudy Gobert, as they were calling him, Agent Zero at that point kind of gave Donovan Mitchell COVID and they were saying that there was some a disconnect there. Are there chemistry issues on this team or is just is that just talk and speculation from, from people from the outside? I think it's mostly speculation from people that are not around the team a lot. And so I, that's, you know, the funny thing about this business is that usually the most tantalizing and, you know, interesting takes come from people that aren't around the team every day and don't yeah. see them every day and don't hear them every day. And I think, you know, 
has there been tension on the team in the past? Absolutely. Is there tension when they're in the middle of a losing streak right now? Absolutely. I mean, but that's all professional athletes across professional sports, you know, like when teams lose guys get frustrated, that's super normal. And so I think, you know, the idea that Donovan Mitchell might want to play in a larger market is, you know, not something that really gets brought up when the jazz are winning a lot. And so the fact that it's bring, being brought up when the jazz are losing is a, I think the timing of it is unique and yeah. <laughs> uh, as some as someone that's around the team every day, I think that these guys don't have chemistry issues as far as like off the court chemistry issues on the court. I think that things have been really hard for them this season, guys in and out of the lineup because of injury, guys in and out of the lineup because of COVID protocols. And it, it just hasn't felt as connected or maybe as fluid as it did last season. But uh, on the same token, you know, you Maybe guys don't really care if they're playing bad or a little bit disconnected in January. What they care about is that they're going to be playing their best basketball uh, come April, May, June. And so if we're projecting forward like that, I think the Jazz are also probably going to be making a little bit of, you know, roster moves at the trade deadline. I don't think that they're going to be one of the teams that stand pat. And so, you know, there's going to be a little bit more disruption to the roster and they're going to have to move through that. And so I'm not necessarily worried about them right now. If we're having the same conversation about them kind of in a losing spell or still feeling frustrated in late March, I might have a a little bit of a different tone, but as for that other outside stuff, uh, as you said, I think it's a lot, a lot of speculation from people that aren't around the team. And covering a small market team uh, as the Grizzlies, just like Utah and Salt Lake City, you hate to see those kind of reports come out because, I mean, you see people outside of the organization angling for these guys to, to go to bigger markets. And I, I love the fact, I love to see Utah having the success they have and to see Memphis doing what they're doing this year. I mean, we've seen examples of this in the past, Oklahoma City, when, when they had the trio there. And see small market teams, Milwaukee, <laughs> winning the championship last year. Don't want to omit them. I, I love to see that, and you just hate to kind of see these reports come out where, because you hear this talk all the time, and, and you hate that you feel like people are in these guys' ears trying to get them out of small markets. And I love to see when a guy stays in a small market because you can win. And I think Milwaukee was a great example to show that it can be done in, in, in smaller markets. But you, you kind of touched about on Mike Conley a second ago, and uh, we kind of talked about him and, and the injuries he had last year. We kind of experienced some of that during his time here in, in the playoffs. He had to see they McCollum elbow and. The, the mask and crazy things. I think if, if that had not happened and, and Tony Allen had got hurt in that series, we might be talking about possibly the Grizz in the NBA finals at that point. But talking about Mike Conley, Mike Conley is a guy who's still beloved here in the city of city of Memphis. His jersey will undoubtedly hang in the rafters of the FedEx form one day. Uh, how has he kind of ingratiated himself uh, to the city of, uh, of Salt Lake city? And is he a fan favorite here the way he was here in Memphis? Yeah. I mean, the first year that Mike Conley was with the jazz, it was a little bit rough. I think it took him a while because he'd been, you know, so ingrained in the, in the Grizzlies system and so used to playing one way for so long that to go to something completely different shook him a little bit. And he was, you know, he admitted that much. He said that it was hard that first year. You could see it. He, you know, he was helping a little bit too much on defense because he's not used to having like Rudy Gobert standing behind him on plays. And he, you know, didn't really know where he was kind of, what was his role in that offense? And the fact that he was, you know, taking a higher volume of threes was something that just, he wasn't used to. And so after that first year, he kind of settled into the role and he's 
I mean, I'm amazed every day. It's funny because on, you know, press row in Utah, the beat writers, I mean, at least once a game, we all look at each other and we say, man, Mike Conley's so good at basketball. (laughs) (laughs) He's just, you know, he's, he's 34 and there are some nights where he still looks like he's playing like a 23 year old guy out there. And I'm, I'm so impressed with him constantly. And it feels like every year he's having a better year. I'm so happy that he was able to actually get on an all-star team. Cause it was an absolute, yeah. it's a disgrace that he hadn't been yeah. there before that point. And I'm, um, and it, you know, it's sad that he wasn't able to do it for Memphis. Cause I'm sure that, you know, Memphis fans would have loved to have seen him there representing the Grizzlies, but um, I'm so happy that he was able to do that, but he's just, he's completely, uh, change the way that the jazz play. I mean, they are not the same team without him on the floor and they absolutely need him every night. He's such a calming presence. He's, I mean, the, the way that he orchestrates the offense and is able to find seams that other guys aren't, you know, this deep into his career. It's just incredibly impressive. Yeah. I mean, we were definitely happy to, to finally see him, him get that break uh, and get into the all-star game. I mean, so tough um, in, in the backcourt in the West and, Grizz has been a small market team. They they never he never got that opportunity, even though he probably deserved it. And not only did he get into the All Star game, the All Star did a three point shootout and almost won it. Thing man, if Steph yeah. hadn't had a tremendous performance, man, he would have went on with a three point trophy and not even expected to be in that. So it was an amazing weekend for him. And we definitely, even though he's with the Utah Jazz now, we definitely still love to to see that back here in Memphis. And again, we're talking with Sarah Todd from the Deseret News covers Utah Jazz in Salt Lake City. Um, you spoke about the trade deadline a minute ago, and you said you expect the Utah Jazz to be a team that, that possibly goes out and make makes a move. When you look at that that roster, what do you think they need? Wing defense. I mean, they need they need someone that can come in and that can help stop point of attack guards that are coming down the court. I mean, some of the craftier players they've had. You know, multiple guys have career nights and triple doubles against them this season. It's been a problem in the playoffs for him, for them, uh, for years now. You know, uh, you had uh, the Rockets, the Thunder, the Nuggets, the Clippers. You know, that they, they're given fits when they can't uh, appropriately uh, guard on the wing because you've got, you know, you got Rudy Gobert back there that can clean up mistakes, but he can't clean up everything. He can't guard three players at a time, no matter how many defensive year player of the year trophies he has. And so you, you have to have a little bit more help on the wing. And I think that the the jazz are going to be trying to bolster that when the trade deadline comes around. Yeah, it's def- definitely going to be, be interesting to see, because I think right now I'm sure they're in fourth place. I'm sure we're coming into the season being number one last year, I'm sure they expected to be a little, little bit higher than that. So it's a big game coming in tomorrow night. Uh, and, and speaking of, of tomorrow night, uh, John Morant is in his third season, named an all-star starter tonight. I think we all felt when, when he first came in his rookie year that he was going to be really good and possibly even a, a generational talent. But I don't think any of us thought that he would be where he is right now in, in year three. And, and we get to watch him here on a, on a nightly basis. So, And I know what we feel about him here. And I love to get an outsider's perspective uh, of what they've seen and of his maturation process and his growth. Like, what are, what are your thoughts on, on Miranda and kind of the leap he's taking and where he is right now? Yeah, recently I did an episode of my podcast, Unsalvageable, and we had Dan Favalli on from Bleacher Report, and we talked about the fact that, you know, John Morant's probably the most exciting player to watch in the NBA right now. And for someone that watches a lot of NBA basketball and watches, you know, hundreds of games a year, 
I, every time that I can watch John Morant play basketball, it was a good night. He's so electric and so exciting. And to know that that's, that's the next generation of basketball, like that he's going to be in the league and he's having, he's going to have a, an illustrious and lengthy career. Uh, it's, it's really, it's really nice to think that that's where basketball is going. And it's, I think that, like you said, you, we didn't expect him to be here at this point. Um, but I kind of think we saw last last season near the end of the season and during the playoffs, what was possible. And it that's when it was kind of surprising. And so I think that by the end of last season, we were thinking, all right, this guy, this guy's just going to shoot up faster than we ever expected him to. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a special talent. And if a guy ever kind of embodied the, the attitude of Memphis and kind of the swagger, it would be him. I mean, I don't think you could even make it, better in the lab and, and, and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, every night when you watch him play basketball, he, there's always the possibility that you're going to see something that you've never seen before. I mean, some of the layups and, and the way he makes these shots, he traffic. I mean, you just looking like how, how did he, how is he able to do that? Especially at that size. I mean, it's, it's just been amazing to watch. And I think we're, we're lucky to have him here in Memphis. I mean, I, I think on, on that draft lottery night, we were all kind of hoping the ping pong balls fell to number one and, and we got Zion Williamson and, there was kind of kind of some disappointment among some of the Grizz nation, some of the Grizz fans, when it when it fell to number two. Uh, but I think that, that kind of worked out, man. It, it's been a tough situation for Zion down in New Orleans. Hasn't really worked out. Hopefully, he can get back because he's such a such a great talent. I mean, we've seen what he can do when he's healthy and on the floor, man. I'm just hoping he can get back on the floor and, and kind of show that and be the generational talent that we kind of all thought he would be. Because the Grizzlies and New Orleans kind of have a rivalry uh, uh, together, and it, it would be fun to kind of have. Him and John, who were AAU teammates growing up, to kind of to kind of have that rivalry going back and forth, and it's been a tough break for them. But we're we're happy as Memphis the way things turned out with with getting John with the second pick. Uh, but you, you going into tomorrow night's game, uh, we all know this is a huge game. The Grizzlies and Jazz only meet three times this year. Grizzlies got the win, an improbable win late uh, in, in the first game in Salt Lake City. Uh, this is game two. They play each other again in Utah. I think early in April, like right maybe the last week of the season. So if the Grizzlies win this game, they win, win the season series. Utah needs to win, kind of tie it up, and, and, and kind of stop the Grizzlies from, from kind of running off from them. Grizzlies have a two-and-a-half game lead right now. Uh, Utah has now dropped three in a row. They're dealing with some, some injury issues. Uh, first of all, I think what's, what's on a lot of Grizzlies fans' mind is what's, what's the injury situation with, with Utah? Like, I, I think Rudy Gobert's been announced that he's not going to play tomorrow night. What about Donovan Mitchell and, and some of the other guys? What, what, what's that looking like for tomorrow? Yeah, Rudy Gobert is not traveling with the team right now. He stayed back for this two-game trip, so he's in Utah. He won't be playing against the Grizzlies tomorrow night. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has been out for a few games with a concussion, but he was just upgraded this afternoon to questionable, which is a really good sign. I think that when a guy is upgraded to questionable and you know as competitive as a guy like Donovan Mitchell is, it's probably going to be hard to tell him that he can't play tomorrow night. Um, but we'll talk to him tomorrow morning and see how he's feeling. Um, other than that, the, the, the sort of a reserve uh, point guard that kind of comes in to give Mike Conley a few minutes of rest a night. His name is Trent Forrest. Yeah. He's also, he sprained his ankle last night. And so um, we might not see him out there, but that, that doesn't have as big of an impact on the game as, you know, Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert. And so those are the big ones that people are going to be interested in. As far as the outlook of the game, I guess, from the Utah perspective is I, I don't know that, I don't know that the jazz are 
as concerned with like the amount of games up in the standings that the Grizzlies have, or maybe winning the tiebreaker or anything like that right now, the jazz have lost nine of the last 11 games. They are, they are absolutely in a rut right now. And a lot of that has had to do with the fact that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert haven't, have not been playing. They haven't had their two best players, but they're just looking to maybe put up a little bit of a fight. They, they want to be competitive and if they can act and they can scrape together any kind of a win to try to build some momentum out of the rut that they're in, that's what they're looking for. Coming into this game, like, like I said, I know it's a, a big game on, on the Grizzlies end because again, they're trying to solidify that, that top, top three, three spot, a young team in the league. I think they're aware of how big this game is when talking to, to the guys, the players yesterday and Quinn Snyder, and you kind of hit on it here, but are they just kind of looking at this as like it's another game or can you see anything extra and anything that they've said that they kind of understand the, the magnitude of this game? Yeah, I think also the thing is, is that the, the you know, the Jazz have been there before. They've been, yeah, you know, a top exactly. three seed. They've been the number one seed and, and they've been shown that that does not mean much, you know? Like uh, as far as matchups and everything go, when you gets down to the playoffs in the Western Conference, there are no easy outs. And so, you know, whether you're the number one seed or you're not the number one seed, that doesn't mean that you're going to be going home with a trophy. And so I think that the way that the Jazz are looking at this game is they just want to get a win so they can try to get some momentum. Hey, good stuff, man. I'm definitely, definitely excited for, for tomorrow's night's game. Again, uh, Grizzlies 1-0 on the Jazz on the season. I know the Jazz are, like you said, coming off a three-game three, three game losing streak. They're looking to, to just get right and get a win. I mean, and I understand that definitely – for a team that, that's kind of had some injuries and possibly could, could have Donovan Mitchell back. I, I think there's it's going to be a tough game for the Grizzlies. I mean, this is not a fantastic matchup. Me and my co-host David have kind of talked about that. Of, of all the teams in the West, I think the worst matchup in a playoff series for the Grizzlies would probably be Utah. I think I'd probably match up with – match up with Phoenix or, or, or Golden State because I think they the style that they play is a little bit better stylistic-wise to, to what the Grizzlies do than, than what Utah does. I mean, Goody Gobert is such – a stalwart defensively and causes so many problems inside for you, for, for you as an opposing team. And they can really knock down three pointers, which is not necessarily grizzly sprint. It's better than it was in the past, but it's still against a team like Utah. You're probably going to be looking at a deficit in most games. So you have to try to find a way to make that up other ways. But I, I, I love this. Like I said, I love to see small market teams having a lot of success and I've enjoyed watching the Utah jazz. Again, we've got Mike Conley out there. So a lot of, a lot of fans here in Memphis kind of pay attention to Utah and pay attention to Mike Conley. So it's going to be a good game, man. I'm excited about it. Uh, fortunately, man, I'm, I'm I'm with COVID and everything, diabetic. I'm diabetic. So I haven't been actually covering the games in the arena. I've been doing everything from afar. I've been zooming it out. So I, I won't be able – I won't be at the game tomorrow night. So the, hopefully next year I'll be back in the arena and I'll get the opportunity to meet you in person when you come in. But I thank you for taking a little time uh, for, for joining us. Again, I know it's busy and I don't want to – want to take up a lot of your time. I know you got to get some dinner, man. And, and again, man, I thank you for, for taking a little time for us and enjoy the game tomorrow. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for having me on and uh, uh, stay safe and, uh, you know, better safe than sorry. It's better to be covering basketball from home than not covering yes. basketball at all. So uh, enjoy the game, even though you aren't at the arena. For sure. Real quick, man, before, before, you, before you go, let people know where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on all social media at NBA Sarah. You can read my stuff at Deseret.com uh, and you can listen to my podcast, Unsalvageable. Yes, he definitely, definitely does good work, man. So Grizz Nation, anybody listening to this podcast, 
make sure you go check out her work, man, because he does does fantastic, fantastic stuff over there with with the podcast and 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 you can check her on Twitter at NBA. What's NBA Sarah? Sorry about that. Thanks, thanks for taking yeah, no the time to join us. No problem. Thanks, Sarah. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here tonight, guys. We appreciate you tuning in. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. Isaac is at Isaac underscore Rivals. And as I told you in the previous episode, my initial Twitter account got uh, permanently suspended. Don't really understand why that happened, but it is what it is. So I do have a new Twitter handle myself. It is at David W two one one one. Try to keep it super similar. So if you were following me and you want to come and find me again, you'll notice that my old account's not going to have anything coming out on it because I can't access it. But the new one, again, is at David W 2111 Shout out again to Miss Sarah Todd for coming on, spending time out of her night after a flight into Memphis, coming on with us and talking about the Utah Jazz and the things that are and are not happening there. It is the season of Smoke and Mirrors, and so we hope that you guys enjoy the show. We always appreciate when guests take the time to get on and share their knowledge with us, so we'll get out of here. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to sign up. We have got the John Morant jersey giveaway going. It is running. We found out tonight John Morant is a starter for the Western Conference All-Stars. So we are doing a giveaway. We were doing the giveaway before we found out he was a starter, but giving away a John Morant jersey over on the Ethos Grizzlies Twitter page. Go find the tweet, like it, retweet it. You're entered to win. We will announce the winner February 20th following the All Star game. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, go Grizzlies. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.